Today on Blue 58, the Packers added a defensive back in the first round of the 2021 NFL Draft, but day one of the draft was somehow, some way, not any less controversial or weird than last year. How is that even possible? Let's try to sort through it together. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. So, Eric Stokes, the cornerback out of Georgia, is the Packers' pick. And I wish we could just spend another 20 minutes talking about uh, Mr. Stokes because it's an exciting more, uh, moment for him. It's an exciting moment for the Packers. It's just exciting in general. Uh, but there's something else going on in Green Bay today. So we've got a little spend a little bit of time talking about Aaron Rodgers. News breaks this afternoon from Adam Schefter that Aaron Rodgers functionally is done in Green Bay. He's not coming back to the team. Um, he is done. And the Packers apparently, according to this report, have been courting him this offseason. Appearances in the Rodgers home from... Everybody who's anybody in the Packers organization, Mark Murphy, Brian Gutekunst, Matt LaFleur, all of them trying to get Aaron Rodgers back on board, even offering a contract extension, but no. Rodgers says he's out. That's the initial report. Other things have come out since then that fall somewhere on the spectrum of even worse than what Schefter has said to, okay, maybe we're not getting completely unbiased information from Adam Schefter and things are not quite as awful as he makes them seem. Basically, I think you got two schools of information here. You've got Adam Schefter, who is hardcore flogging the Aaron Rodgers is out portion of this story. And that may be true. But you've also got people like Ian Rappaport and Tom Pellicero that take a much softer approach to this. They're saying things like contract talks are still underway. They've spoken to his agent numerous times. They've spoken to Aaron Rodgers numerous times, and they believe that they're going to get a contract extension done. There is some dissatisfaction from Aaron Rodgers, but but they're speaking to him. They're going to get something done. So what's going on here? I don't think you can look at this as anything other than some kind of power play from Aaron Rodgers, because To be clear, no matter whose school of information you trust, this seems pretty clearly precipitated by Aaron Rodgers and his camp. The Packers didn't put this information out, and it's not something that just came out of nowhere. Adam Schefter got this information from somebody, and it was probably someone in the Rodgers camp. That seems pretty apparently clear. So what is Rodgers trying to do here? Is he actually trying to force his way out, and he's just hitting the nuclear option and saying, this is the most powerful card I have to play? Or does he really just want the Packers to do something to convince him that they can make this work long term? And I don't really know what the answer is is there. Because as much as I'm sitting here, sitting online, like I'm sure a lot of you were, Thursday afternoon, throughout the draft Thursday night, now it's one o'clock in the morning Eastern time, and I'm still thinking about this. As much as we've gone through so many reports saying Rodgers has all the leverage here, I'm not sure that's actually true. For one, it's really hard for the Packers to move him at this point. Trading him is practically impossible right now, given his cap situation. It would cost the Packers nearly $40 million against the cap right now to move Aaron Rodgers. 
It's not completely impossible, but it is practically impossible. Not entirely, but just very, very, very difficult. A post-June 1 trade makes it less impossible, but still, it seems like a pretty high hurdle. Keeping him seems also pretty difficult at this point, but fences can be mended. And it seems, honestly, a little less impossible than, than just trading him. The outside pressure would be huge on Brian Gutekunst. But Brian Gutekunst, I think over the past year or so, has showed that he doesn't care so much about what people outside the organization think. So, take that for whatever you think it's worth. But back to the Rodgers leverage situation, the Packers are really not in a position where they can trade him. They're not also in a situation where they can release him. And furthermore, the teams that could use Aaron Rodgers right now either were unwilling or unable to give up any assets that would induce the Packers to give up Rodgers right now. And I'm thinking like 2021 first-round picks. Anybody who could have used Rodgers this year, any reasonable contender, which is probably where Aaron Rodgers wants to go, did not immediately make an offer to the Packers that made trading Rodgers right now make sense. Because if the Packers were going to trade Aaron Rodgers, and they have repeatedly said that they're not, you want that compensation right now because the rest of your roster is still in contender mode right now. You've got so much money tied up on defense right now. You've got so many young players that are either expensive in Aaron Jones or coming to the end of their cheap contract in guys like MVS, Robert Tunyon, Alan Lazard. You've got to go now. So if you're going to move on from Aaron Rodgers and go with Jordan Love, you need to put as many pieces around him right now as you can. Nobody was willing to do that for the Packers, and the Packers aren't going to move Aaron Rodgers for second and third round picks. Now I can see that tweet already from Old Takes Exposed after the Packers trade Aaron Rodgers on Friday or Saturday for a second round pick in 2021 and then future considerations. The second big problem here is nobody can name a team that's actually interested. It was wild to see this play out this afternoon, and maybe there's something to this, but Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk sent out a tweet this afternoon, kind of just thinking out loud, kind of mulling through what the Packers could do here. And he said, okay, uh, destinations where the Packers could go, they probably want to send them out of the conference, so that means AFC, and it's got to be a to a team that can use a quarterback. Uh, you're looking at teams like the Broncos and Raiders, reasonably good teams that could use an upgrade at quarterback. A little while later, Pro Football Talk writes an article about how the 49ers, Raiders, and Broncos were Aaron Rodgers' preferred destinations. No new information in the report, but now it's gone from just something they're talking about along with the Bill Michaels tweet from earlier about how the 49ers had apparently made a huge offer. Yes, I saw that tweet too. I'm not sure how anybody can really take that seriously. What big offer could the 49ers have made? The third overall pick and what? They haven't got first-round picks for most of the rest of the decade. Okay, unless they're giving up some premier player, unless they're giving up somebody who's young and cheap and good, Brandon Ayuk maybe just as an example, What else is going to tempt the Packers in the short term? They want a return in the short term. They want to get back to contending status 
ASAP if they move on from Aaron Rodgers. So nobody's making moves for Rodgers right now. Nobody can name a team that's actually interested, and nobody can confirm that an actual offer has taken place. In fact, Brian Gutekunst says nobody's even offered. He says he hasn't heard from John Lynch. He says he's only gotten one phone call regarding Rodgers' availability right now. So Rodgers' contract makes it almost impossible to move him. The reality that there's nobody out there giving up compensation for Rodgers right now makes it difficult to move him. The fact of the matter as well is that the Packers have Rodgers under control for three more years. Where is their leverage here on the Rodgers side? Okay, you're mad. So what? You are not the first person in history who's mad at their employer. There's got to be more to this story than just this. There is information here that we're not getting. Maybe it is just as simple as Rodgers being mad at the Packers and trying to force them to do something, but that seems awfully short-sighted here. What does Rodgers want? Why now? Wouldn't the best time to release this kind of information be like a month ago? If you're trying to get moved out of Green Bay in a situation where you could actually get moved, why don't you give the Packers some time to work on this? So I don't know what to make of all this, other than that a lot of the stuff isn't adding up for me. The Packers don't have much incentive to move on from Aaron Rodgers. And it's very difficult to do so. For their part, Brian Gutekunst says he's not interested in trading him. No, we are not going to trade Aaron Rodgers, is what he said this afternoon, or this evening, this morning, I guess technically, in his post-draft press conference. Some of the questions in that post-draft press conference, now that I've talked for 10 minutes, were in fact about 2021 first-round pick Eric Stokes. So let's talk about Eric Stokes. The first-round pick, or first round is wearing on. We get to the 25th overall pick, and on the board still is Elijah Moore, Greg Newsom, Tevin Jenkins, Rashad Bateman, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromora, Christian Barmore, and Trevin, uh, Trayvon Morig. All players at positions of need, theoretically, for the Packers. All players connected to the Packers in some way or another. 26, Greg Newsom comes off the board. 27, Rashad Bateman goes. And 28 goes Peyton Turner. So the Packers come to the board with good receiving prospects available in Elijah Moore, a linebacker in Owusu Koromora, Christian Barmore, who I mentioned as a potential first-round pick, given that he's a big guy, Trayvon Morig, and Tevin Jenkins. And they go with Georgia cornerback Eric Stokes. Skinny on Stokes is this, 6'1", 185, relative athletic score of 937, boosted by a scintillating 425, 40-yard dash. Hard to beat that, literally and metaphorically. It is very difficult to beat someone who can run a 425, 40-yard dash. Coverage grade from Pro Football Focus in his final year with the Dogs a 73.4, and 28 ball hawks for his career between the hedges. He ended up as a Tier 3 prospect in our preview. That qualifies as someone we would still draft but have questions about. He hit on relative athletic score. He hit on ball hawks but did not hit on coverage grade just ever so narrowly. We were looking for players grading at 75+. plus. He was at 73.4. Said at the time there was not a glaring weakness here. So I think there's a lot to like about Eric Stokes. Good size at 6'1", great athleticism, 9'3'7", 
Hard to beat that. Consistent plays on the ball, too. Passes defensed over his last three years in college. 9-9-8. Nine, nine, four interceptions his last year in Georgia. Those represent all four of his interceptions as a college player. Got involved in all three phases. Some good special teams tape out there from him. Only allowed 38.5% completions when targeted. Uh, that is pretty excellent um, in SEC play. He also graded out very well when playing against elite prospects um, in Georgia. There's some stuff going around from uh, Sports Information Solutions talking about how well he did against the high-end uh, receivers like Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, and Jamar Chase. Teams throwing against him in 2020, they write, experienced a negative expected points added rating of negative 16. That is higher than that of Alabama's Patrick Sertan II. He was taking away more than half a point per target. Won't break down exactly what that means in their analytics speak, but um, it's it's good. He, he played really, really well. There are some things to not like about him. And at, at the point of the draft where the Packers were, you're getting to the point in the overall cornerback group where um, the premier guys are gone. And at this point, it's somebody with questions no matter where you turn. For instance, Asante Samuel Jr., probably a little bit more polished than Stokes, but smaller and not as athletic. Even Greg Newsom, who went just a couple picks earlier, nearly as injured as Caleb Farley who I talked about being a big injury concern for me. On top of that, just about every single scouting report you read on Stokes mentions his proclivity towards excessive contact downfield. Dane Brugler, while his competitiveness downfield is a positive trait, he panics at times and needs to be more subtle with his contact. Nine penalties in college. The ringer, he's physical downfield and may need to adjust his techniques to avoid flags at the next level. Pro football focus. He's no stranger to college football's lack of an illegal contact penalty and does a lot of his dirty work via contacting receivers. He might struggle transitioning to the NFL when that's not the case. The draft network. He can afford to clean up his technique, particularly his eye discipline and man coverage and getting grabby at the top of the route. Pro football network. At the NFL level, his physicality could result in penalties. He's a very hands-on defensive back with receivers, and can be grabby as the play unfolds. Although Stokes has largely gotten away with this at the college level, it is more likely to be penalized in the NFL. I think you see the trend at this point. He does have a tendency to be perhaps overly physical with opposing receivers. That is a legitimate concern. But given his physical tools, given that he has already graded out pretty well, even considering that it uh, propensity to be a little bit overly physical, he is a very, very good prospect because of that athleticism. And I think a guy like Jerry Gray can really work with him, help him take what's good about his game and elevate it and minimize the weaker points. So bottom line, I think this is a pretty good pick. It's not something that has me jumping up and down. It's certainly not as exciting as somebody like um, Elijah Moore would be. But if you're looking at how the Packers approach this draft overall, I think you can really see where the Packers are headed here. I think I really like what they're, what they're thinking here. So moving forward, 
I think you can see this being a situation where they go, okay, you've got your linemen still out there. There are still some good offensive linemen available. So cornerbacks are probably going to go quicker. And if we wait too long, we're just going to be out on the top end of the cornerback class altogether. So get the quarterback now, get an offensive lineman next, and then reassess. There's still plenty of wide receivers out there too. And as we've said, the wide receiver class, I think, goes deeper than the offensive line or corner classes, or especially the defensive line class goes. If you look just at offensive linemen, Liam Eikenberg, Creed Humphrey, Dylan Raduns, uh, Quinn Minerts, Tevin Jenkins, fourth offensive tackle on ESPN's board, all still out there. They're in pretty good shape. And given how many of their picks come late, if the Packers want to jump back up into the late third round, move up into the second round again, they've got assets where they can do that. Brian Gutekunst is aggressive, moving around the board. And I think there's a good chance he's going to move up here on day two in the near future. First line was also pretty defensive line light. All of the guys we talked about really as being high-end defensive line prospects are out there. Davion Nixon, Christian Barmore, both still out there. Um, Not saying the Packers are going to jump up there for them, but if the top end of the class is still available, that just pushes further value down the board. I think the things broke pretty well for the Packers in the first round. They seem to have gotten a guy that they were really excited about. They didn't have to trade up to get him. And they've got all their assets left if they want to move around the board in days two and three. Pretty exciting. Before I get to a couple random observation here, random observations here, I want to give a shout out to everybody who is active in the Power Sweeps Discord uh, tonight during the draft. It was a lot of fun talking draft with people from all over the world. Shout out to the European fans uh, who are burning the midnight oil. Um, and I hope you get some sleep at some point on Friday. Going to be a rough one, I think, at the office. Bring plenty of coffee. But if you'd like to join in on that discussion, hit us up at patreon.com slash thepowersweep. Uh, any amount of money gets you in the door there and gets you access to that Discord server. It is a lot of fun, and uh, it's going to be a great time. Ooh, fun note from the Packers. According to Twitter, Eric Stokes is going to be wearing number 21 for the Green Bay Packers. Always a fun number for defensive backs, and uh, maybe he can be the first great one to wear it since Charles Woodson uh, left for Oakland. Um, we will just kind of gloss over ha-ha Clinton Dix. So a couple random observations uh, about the first round of the NFL draft, then we'll let you get on with your Friday or just get to sleep or whatever. Um, Roger Goodell's chair looks comfortable, and I would sit in it. as uh, a weird gimmick. Looks like a comfy chair. I would sit in it. Uh, props to the person wearing the Dorsey Levens jersey in the Packers section of the NFL draft floor. Excellent selection. Also saw a 1996 or earlier Reggie White jersey in there. Had the five stripes on the sleeve. Looking good, sir or madame. Way to represent the 90s Packers out there in Cleveland. Was super disappointed, by the way, living just about 90 minutes from Cleveland that things are just going the way they are. Just still with the pandemic, would have been fun to cover this draft in person, but um, you know, covering it from home is still pretty great too. Some suit thoughts. Uh, Trey Lance's suit was just absolutely great. Some misses in the first round. Kyle Pitts uh, probably wouldn't have been my choice, but uh, it, it certainly was a choice that he made there. But Trey Lance, black trim on the blue suit, bow tie, three-piece ensemble, good look. And, you know, everybody, the fashion tips from a 32-year-old suburban dad, uh, you know, it's just the best you're you're ever going to get. 
Uh, poor Joe Burrow. Uh, offensive linemen aplenty on the board, and they get Jamar Chase. Look, Jamar Chase is great, but somebody's going to need to block for Joe, Joe Burrow sooner or later. Maybe they're just counting on their receivers being so open that they're not going to have to block. But uh, I'm, I'm sorry for Joe Burrow's knees and joints and various body parts that may be injured again in 2021. The Cowboys trade um, from 10 to 12 worked out really well. And even if something weird had happened and they had like missed out on the guy that they wanted going from 10 to 12, they picked up a third round pick basically for free and still got the guy that I think they were hoping to get in Micah Parsons. Look, I mean, you can talk about the value of a, of a linebacker all you want, but um, if he was the top guy on the Cowboys board, they got that guy essentially for free and picked up a third rounder for their trouble. I think that's probably a win. That is a process win, if not an outcome win, I think. Uh, the Bears, on the other hand, had better be right about Justin Fields. And I like Justin Fields a lot, too. I'm not sure I like him trading the 20th pick next year's first, a fourth next year, and a fifth this year for Justin Fields. Now, if he works out, that ends up being a pittance. But that next year's first-round pick, if Fields does not work out, some other GM is going to be using that or rather not using that first-round pick. Uh, the Vikings trade back, I thought, was also really good. They gave up 14 and 143, so a first and I think a fourth. And they got 23, 66, and 86. So two-thirds, basically, to move back nine spots and give up give up a fourth. I would do that any day of the week. Um, and it seems like they still got a pretty good tackle uh, for their trouble. Finally drafting a tackle for... Uh, for their, their trouble. Finally, thank you for your thoughts. I know there was probably at least one person who remembered that I like Kadarius Tony a lot and uh, was disappointed when I saw him go to New York. It's not because I was that invested in the Packers getting him, but the Giants are just going to waste him. I just, I know that Gettleman made a smart move and traded back, but just in my heart, I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, Kadarius Toney is not going to live up to his maximum excitement potential playing in New York, and that is just just a shame. All in all, exciting, interesting first round. Happy the Packers got somebody who seems like he's going to have a short-term role in Green Bay that we can watch develop very quickly. So, uh, yeah. I, I don't have any complaints really here. It was it was fun to watch, and I'm excited to see what the Packers do on days two and three. We are going to be back Sunday night into Monday morning recapping days two and three of the draft. Not going to do anything about day two as a standalone, but uh, we'll give you days two and three Sunday night into Monday, and then we'll be off to talking about undrafted free agents after that. In the meantime, I do appreciate you listening in. I hope you enjoyed the first round of the draft as much as I did, and I'm excited to see what the, the next couple of days bring us. If you enjoyed this podcast and you think somebody else would as well, go ahead and share it with them. That's going to help a lot more people find the show and ultimately continue to grow and enhance this conversation we are having around the Green Bay Packers, which ultimately is going to help all of us become smarter Packers fans. Because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.